Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show, supported by pinsandknuckles.com, pinsandknucklesmerch.com. Shout out to those guys. Yes, we are still doing it with me sat in my room and talking into a microphone. Not going to lie to you, just kind of enjoyed it the last couple of weeks. So I thought we can return to twitch.tv forward slash Simon316 at some point, but I'm quite liking it. If you disagree, let me know, because obviously you're my audience, and you're more important than me. But if you do want to see my stupid face on the screen, obviously you can check me out at What Culture Wrestling, or you can check me out on my own YouTube channel, Simon Miller. And you can also come on the podcast or get a postcard from me, a t-shirt, uh, join my weekly Q&As, and my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And people keep asking me, I've got bald asshole tees. They exist. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. You can buy a bald asshole tee. You can, you can buy a cartoon wide tee. There's loads of stuff up there. Check it out. Even if you're bored and you're not going to buy anything, but you want something to do, why not go and click on it? Don't know why you do that. It makes no sense. Let's talk some wrestling. Uh, make sure you check out the podcast from yesterday, uh, the 7th of September. If you uh, want to get my thoughts on All Out, again, you can check my ups and downs, All Out 2, on what culture wrestling, blah, 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 but please go and do that. And it does mean we can double down and talk about the news and talk about Raw, which is uh, we are a few hours removed from. A very strange show, I thought. Didn't really understand what was going on, then realized it had been written at the last minute, which uh, which always explains explains a lot. Um, I don't know why they keep doing this, because SmackDown feels like it has someone at the head of the ship and steering everything, which is far more exciting to me. You know, I thought SmackDown last week was a tremendous show, one of the best I've seen in, in ages. I love the Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman uh, coming together. I think AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy versus Sami Zayn is awesome. You know, three characters who... I mean, I, I like Jeff Hardy, but I, I know that he's a good guy, but he's not somebody that I would actively support. And while AJ Styles and Sami Zayn are filling in the bad guy roles, there's just, I don't know, it's a cool, it's a cool three-way. It's a cool three-way to me. Um, and what, something else happened that I enjoyed too. It doesn't matter. I just thought it was a good show. And then I tuned into Raw and I was like, man, this is a crazy, weird, all over the place, uh, all over, the, just madness. It was just absolute madness. And then I realized that and I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, in terms of the news... Ivar did indeed get injured on Raw. They're saying he's going to be okay. Uh, people are describing it as a cervical injury or a, a stinger, as they say. I'm not going to comment on it too much because I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to pretend that I have any kind of a clue, but I hope he's all right. Kind of scary. Also, the reason that match had a, a nuts finish, which makes perfect sense. They wanted to they wanted to go home as soon as they, as they possibly could. And after the Matt Hardy situation, which we also talked about on yesterday's podcast, I really would prefer it if that's the direction we started going in. With all of wrestling, no word of a lie. I just, I don't want to repeat myself, but to me, given that wrestling is a work, quote unquote, and it's, um, you know, it's not real. It is real, but you know what I'm saying. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? And also, if somebody gets knocked out, you know, if someone gets knocked out in MMA or boxing, that's it. It should be the same in wrestling, especially if it's legit. How can you say you've lost when you've done that to someone? So, yeah, uh, we, we've talked about all that, and I hope I, Ivar is okay. And there's been somewhat of an update about this third-party app stuff in WWE. Now, thankfully, it does sound like if you're going to use your WWE-related name, um, so uh, what's Ricochet's real name? I can't remember. But you know, if Ricochet is going to use uh, the Ricochet name, it has to go through WWE. And if he is going to use his real name, he can go out there and do the kind of stuff like YouTube and Twitch. That seems to be the situation. And I think that's 
Well, look, it, it, it depends how you see the world of business. But in terms of the world of business, it's certainly fine. It's what uh, all sports teams do. Uh, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't allow Tom Brady to, I don't know who sponsors them, but, you know, he can't go out there and start doing Adidas commercials if that team is sponsored by Nike because it's a conflict of interest. And I get the WWE wouldn't want to do the same. I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's far better than what we had heard before. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that seems to be the way, but that could that could change again. We'll have to to take a back seat, uh, a back seat and see. And otherwise, you know, all the other news has been about well, about Hardy and injuries and, uh, and and that WWE thing. It's kind of pushed everything everything to the back. But that was good because then Raw came along and it gave us more stuff to talk about. I think Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton is a great feud. I think that Randy Orton, uh, sorry, that Drew McIntyre is. The best new WWE champion WWE has had in ages. I, I truly believe that. And of course, it's because of how they're being booked. Um, or he's being booked, I should say. But I just, you know, he feels legit. And even if they do decide to take the belt off of him at, uh, oh, what's it called? Class of Champions Gold Rush. I can probably, I can probably accept it as long as the, the, the finish makes sense. I don't really get how Keith Lee fits into all of this. I mean, I suppose that Randy Orton is going to win the title and then do another program with Keith Lee, but Keith Lee's not going to win the championship in that sense. So it kind of seems back to back to front with me, but he kind of feels like an, a third wheel in the title feud right now. And I get that he's only lost, well, he hasn't lost. He's only appeared to lose, which doesn't, I guess, count as badly as actually losing. But we've got to this kind of third week where it just feels like there was no plan. And there was no plan because if there was, it was ripped up. But we need to get him into a decent, high-profile, you know, program soon. And he needs to win. That's what you have to do. Otherwise, you know, it's all well and good. You and I, the people that are hardcore fans and watch everything, you know, we're behind him no matter what they do. But the more casual fan, I know they're less and less, but still, they're so important. Who don't know about Keith Lee's NXT reign or Keith Lee's NXT title run or being the first ever double champion, etc. They don't know about that. He has to prove himself again, and he can only do that with the right opportunities and the right advantages. Very, very strange, I thought. But, you know, the whole thing throughout the night was Drew McIntyre returning and basically, without saying it, promising that he was going to take out Randy Orton, which he did by the end of the night. And that's something that Stone Cold Steve Austin would have done or The Rock would have done. Boring, boring, blah, blah, blah. But it's true. You know, it's not like we had gave Kofi Kingston these privileges or a Daniel Bryan. And I understand they're small guys compared to Drew McIntyre, but I'll take it, right? It's not a Brock Lesnar. It's not a Roman Reigns. It's not one of the established people. Now, he is established because we are doing this kind of stuff with him. And of course, yeah, he popped up in the Keith Lee, Randy Orton round three match. Claymore kicked uh, Randy Orton and that was... And that was that. The good thing is that Keith Lee also did come out on social media and kind of berate him for doing this in a nice, friendly guy kind of a way, but underline, this isn't cool, Drew. You know, you're taking away my opportunities and I understand that you got sent to the hospital, but, you know, stop it. So, so maybe we do something with that. But again, is Keith Lee going to beat Drew McIntyre? I mean, he really should. I think Drew McIntyre's got to the point now, like, you know, Randy Orton lost to Keith Lee. He didn't hurt Randy Orton. And I think even though it may be kind of bad if Drew McIntyre wins, uh, loses against Randy Orton and then loses against Keith Lee, it is still, I still think he has enough momentum and enough uh, confidence thanks to the powers that be that he'd get back, on, get back on track. Where we go from that, I don't know. The rumors are that we're going to do Roman Reigns versus The Fiend at WrestleMania and hold off that feud and uh, Edge versus Randy Orton has been talked about for a while. Is that something you want to see at WrestleMania 37, Edge winning the Universal title? Uh, the WWE title, even, I should say. I don't know if it is. I don't know if Edge needs to have any championships at his age. It would be a lovely story, because obviously he never lost his last one. He had to give it up. But, you know, for me, it's just the programs and the matches that Edge can have. I mean, we've only seen Edge versus Orton so far. 
Edge versus Keith Lee, Edge versus Seth Rollins, Edge versus Roman Reigns, Edge versus AJ Styles, Edge versus Sami Zayn. You know, we could do this all day. That's what excite me. Not necessarily him having... It depends how it's done. If the execution was really good, you'd probably get quite emotional given his story. But I'm more about seeing him tangle with the younger, the younger generation. Edge versus Kevin Owens. That would probably be one of my favorite matches. Edge versus Angel Garza. Also pretty decent. I'm glad that we finally pulled the trigger on Cedric Alexander turning heel. I kind of understood the uh, the explanation for it. I think I've got to the point now where I'll take anything from WWE because sometimes they just won't you know, they, they won't give you anything and it just kind of happens. For example, Alistair Black. Not 100% sure why he hates Kevin Owens and isn't focusing on Murphy and Seth Rollins, but hopefully that will come to light at some point and we can start we can start investing in that. But the Cedric Alexander one was more like I keep getting my ass kicked. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting any opportunities. I want some money. I was like, okay, it's a little bit shallow, but I'll take it. And also that group together, you know, Cedric Alexander, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, and um, Bobby Lashley. I just think it's great. It looks cool. It is cool. Uh, they've got the United States Championship. I don't know what we're going to do with the 24-7 title, but I would absolutely try and get it back on Shelton Benjamin and reposition it almost as a more serious, a more serious belt because it's only going to help that group. I hope that we do a feud between Cedric Alexander and Ricochet because the sequence they had in the eight-man tag, I was, re- of course I was into it. Who wouldn't be into that? You know, that's modern wrestling summed up. And if they're allowed to do what they're able to do, I think it will, it would make Raw such a good show. Like it was an absolute mess last night. But when you've got guys like Randy Orton and Drew who are telling old school stories, if you want to put it that way, and then you have the power to do a Ricochet versus Cedric Alexander, which is everything that we see in quote-unquote modern day indie wrestling. I think you've got a really good and varied show, but you just need to let these guys off the leash and let them do their thing. Like, I was watching Talking Smack over the weekend, and I was, I was had it on in the background. And because so, you're just allowed to talk on that show, Cesaro cut this really interesting promo about why he hasn't had more WWE title opportunities. And it was just, it was just so... Like, it wasn't the greatest thing you'll ever hear, but it was just so well-worded because he's a smart dude. And it was just... I was intrigued to hear his thoughts on it, and it was delivered well. And then he ended with the stupidest joke in the world, deliberately so, and it made me laugh out loud. And I was like... We've got to get more of this onto the main shows where people can see it. Because I absolutely think it would make Cesaro a bigger star. I'm also desperate now, given that Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura turned up on Raw. They are very be- they're being very, very careful with their wording, WWE. They are saying champion versus champion match. I don't know if that means the titles are on the line. Surely if it was, they'd make a far bigger deal out of that, right? They would shout that from the moon that they're going to unify the titles. So, I mean, I absolutely think they should. There's no tag teams. We tease that Andrade and Angel Garza are done. Which they had to do. I can't watch them versus the Street Profits again. I really can't. It's one. Even me, the Mr. Positive Pete was like, no, 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 no. We've got to stop doing it. But there aren't any other tag teams. And that's the same for both for both shows. I mean, it's kind of weird because I thought we were going to do Cesaro and Nakamura versus Heavy Machinery. But it's still irrelevant because you should have Cesaro and Nakamura win. And then you should somehow get those belts onto Heavy Machinery. And then the Street Profits should then get back involved with those guys. That's what I would do. Um, and it just means that tag teams can be on either show. Does anyone actually have a problem with that? Like, it's not like a brand split is a real thing anyway. I was massively enjoying it when Sasha and Becky were on all the shows because, um, Bailey, sorry, because it, they were doing well. I didn't feel overexposed. I didn't feel worn out because the story was progressing in a way that I enjoyed it. And in fact, if anything, I kind of missed them now, but that's great. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. But I can't think that anybody is going to have a problem with the tag team division being allowed to grow. And if that means putting them on both uh, on both shows, they should do it. I mean, you can even... I don't know who the tag team would be. I mean, MVP and Shelton or MVP and Cedric Alexander. You could take two people from the Hurt Business, basically, and make them a tag team. So there are ways and means, but you have to invest the time. And I just think it's never going to happen when there's two sets of titles 
up for grabs because WWE doesn't focus on on the tag division and nor do they have to they're a singles based company which is fine it's also why it blows my brain when people go oh AEW is doing too much tag stuff I'm like man they haven't even balanced the book shit if we're talking about wrestling overall so yeah I say I say keep giving it to me uh, but R-Truth is still the 24-7 champion Tozawa just popped up from a food cart or one of his ninja friends did and then he was behind him it was I just kind of feel like WWE's putting it on the show because they don't what not want to do it but it does feel like it's run its course and of course yeah we had the cedric alexander heel turn and seemingly i suppose the angel gaza heel turn and selena vega and andrade are gonna be good guys seems a little bit weird no idea what's going on with the iconics I, I it's how do you explain that story to anybody so they were friends were told by wwe that they had to be in this match where if they lost they'd break up they did lose so they break up then Peyton Royce pushes Billy Kay into the Raw Underground ring. Now they're having a match on Raw, which Peyton Royce wins in about three seconds. And then they hug. And Billy Kay seems to be a new character, but not Peyton Royce. And they both had generic entrance music. It just doesn't feel very well planned out. And for a team that have been together a long time and kind of have this cult niche following, I think we could have done far better with this and invested far more time. I mean, really, really could. I'm not saying you would have had a Sasha Bailey situation, but I think you could have at least got closer to it just by giving it a couple of three weeks would have done two, three weeks to plant some kind of a seed. It's, 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 it's really baffling that we would give There's so much TV to feel right. We've got 52 weeks a, a year on Raw and 52 weeks on SmackDown and 52 weeks on NXT. Why on earth you would just burn through something in a week that quickly with a team that has some tenure, whether you like them or not, they have tenure, they have some, uh, uh, you know, familiarity on the, on the show. It's absolutely baffling to me. And it also ties into these weird, the weird vignette we saw on SmackDown. It was a woman walking around in some high heels, I think, with a fur coat. My guess was Peyton Royce, but the fact she just got wheeled out here made me go, okay, maybe not. Maybe that's not the case at all. So keep an eye on that one. Um, we should probably talk about all the Rey Mysterio stuff as well, or the Mysterio family. Obviously, we learned that it was going to be Dominic versus Murphy. Had a great street fight as a main event. Dominic Mysterio is so good. A, a born natural, surprise, surprise, raised kid. Who would have thought otherwise? And you kind of had all these teases throughout the night that Mysterio was so mad about what Murphy and Seth Rollins, who was absent here, had done to his family, that he was going to get the ultimate revenge by having, uh, was it Angie and Aaliyah, I think his wife and daughter are called? He was going to get them involved. And you're like, no, you're not. And then you have a, the street fight, which is awesome. Uh, Dominic did this incredible sunset flip powerbomb into a table. Couldn't have been more smooth if he tried. And more, shout out to Murphy as well for obviously, you know, doing what he did. And then Raw just goes off air after Buddy Murphy submits as he is being caned with kendo sticks by all four members of the Mysterio family. Genuinely hilarious, in a good way, in the intended way. So satisfying. I don't know how it means... I guess that they needed some revenge, and Murphy is a bit of a fool guy. But he kind of has faded into the background recently, and I hope that doesn't become his role. I suppose he's not with uh, Seth Rollins anymore. But I think there is something to Murphy, and I don't think we've quite capitalized on it yet, and I don't know what that is. I also think it's weird that he came out with new gear last week. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's actually been a couple of weeks. But in my world, he comes out with new gear last week on, um, on Raw with the Disciple. And then one week later, he's not the Disciple anymore. Which again, right, if you've been told the story, I don't think you would have gone out and done it unless you thought it was a long-term project. Which it may still be. I mean, I just don't think the left hand is talking, uh, is talking to, the, to the right. But still, great way to go, to go off Raw. I really like Dominic Mysterio. He's just really good. And I'm sure he'll have a, you know, some few hiccups here and there. But in terms of cementing a first impression, which obviously if it had gone the other way, people could have written him off entirely. And now they haven't done that. Again, set himself up for whatever's next. And I look forward to seeing him. 
And that's all I need to know. We had these handicap matches with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler taking on, individually taking on the Riot Squad. The Riot Squad felt absolutely redundant. They were called Forever Riot last week, and now they're back to being the Riot Squad. And it's also uh, Shayna Baszler lost after distraction, and she got rolled up. We're not even talking about it. And we never got a finish to the Nia Jax match because the lights started flickering as somebody from Retribution furiously did that with the Switch. And then we finally got to hear them talk. And my word, if it wasn't incredibly disappointing, just gibberish. You know, I'm not saying this group is done, but you want them to strike fear into your heart and think, oh my gosh, these guys are really pissed off. And they're talking about facades and locusts and contempt. It doesn't sound like anything anybody has ever said either. It sounds like something you would have written for some kind of GCSE play. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if you're in the younger demographic, you were like, oh my gosh, these guys. But they just come across like grungy teenagers who have been sitting in their black rooms listening to Papa Roach and Nirvana. And while painting it even darker, right? Because that's what they do. It just... And the voices were all distorted and they sounded like Bane from Batman. Like, oh, Mr. Wayne. I mean, I'd love to hear your guys' verdict. I really, really would. I would really, really love to know what you guys uh, thought about this. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I, it, I just, I find it weird that all of a sudden WWE has decided they're going to be SmackDown guys, not SmackDown guys. They're only going to be on, um, uh, what would you call it? Uh, Raw, they're exclusive to that. So that's a funny, uh, that's an odd shift to make, right? It kind of makes you raise an eyebrow like, huh, it's a little bit, that's a little bit out of nowhere. But right now I can safely say I don't think it's working. And I did give it time. I really did. If you watch ups and downs, you know, I really, I really tried to back off here and let this thing grow and develop and evolve. But I just I don't understand what they're doing. I need to know who's behind the masks. And I don't think giving them funny, stupid voices and saying, you know, talking as if they're reciting poetry was what we was what we needed, especially in the middle of a match that nobody cared about anyway. Uh, Oscar and Mickey James beat Lana and Natalia. We're going to get Oscar and Mickey James next week. Once again, felt very rushed and like we didn't really know what direction we're heading in. But I was okay with it because I think that match is going to be good. Like Mickey James, who's been gone for ages, taking on Oscar. I think that will be excellent. I do. And I actually am looking forward to it. And then, yeah, I just need more explanations about why Kevin Owens and Alistair Black were fighting in, uh, in Raw Underground. I seem to be the only person on the planet that likes Raw Underground. I think it comes across at a good time in terms of breaking up the show and breaking up the pacing. I enjoy how hard the guys go at it, too. It's just, you know, here, was it Babatunde? Well, it's, not, it's not his name anymore, is it? Uh, Dabakato, sorry. Dabakato, um, you know, comes and just wrecks, wrecks both of them. And you were like, okay, are they going to team up now? Because we're already kind of doing that with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jack. I don't think I need, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend nonsense anymore. Although WWE is on a massive breakup kick, as we said last week. They're breaking everybody up. I mean, in the space of two segments, we had uh, Andrade and Angel Garza break up, as well as Ricochet, Apollo Crews, and Cedric Alexander. And we had the Iconics break up later on. So it's just everybody is breaking up. Uh, all over the place. Let's break up the street profits. Who cares? Let's just go on a breaking up, uh, a breaking up party. But yeah, and I did enjoy Black and Owen sort of brawling throughout all these segments. But when it ended with some random dude just nutting them, I was like, nothing really ever has a beginning, middle, or end with Raw Underground. It's just there, <laughs> and it just happens. But I did think, you know, Alistair Black especially, I thought looked good. I got quite into it at first because like, oh, this is cool. We're going to progress the storyline between two proper, you know, proper significant talents within this new environment but it didn't really like you know we, we haven't taken a, a serious step forward with the with the story or the narrative we just know that Dabakato is a bit of a crazy person 
And when I, you know, I was really excited when I saw that Kevin Owens and Alice Black were going to be programmed together, but that isn't one of the twists and turns I was expecting. But I still do enjoy Raw Underground. I get it. I know. Last person, last person to do it. And I'm sure I'll change my, <laughs> my mind eventually, but uh, not yet. Not yet. I'm still, I'm still on board to, um, to a certain degree. And that was kind of it. That was kind of Raw, uh, Raw in a nutshell. It wasn't. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. It was just a little bit all over the place. It was a little bit messy, right? It was a little bit messy. Nothing really clicked. Nothing really came together as I think it was um, intended to. But then again, how is it ever going to? We don't know if it's true or not, but the rumor, like I say, is Vince McMahon turned up and just ripped up the script. And if you've got to rewrite stuff with a couple of hours, not only are you going to be stressed because one eye is going to be on the clock, but you then have to try and remember all these things that you already put in place that now you're not going to be paying off in the same way that you would do when you know where you go. If you know the end of a story, you can make tweaks for that story as we go. But it, it's irrelevant if all of a sudden it's going to change. So that's something they really need to stop doing. And I don't understand why Vince McMahon is doing it for Raw and not SmackDown, other than maybe the fact that Raw is still going to be his, his baby, as they say. I mean, now it's being tied into the fact that Paul Heyman left and there's, and there's more chaos. And I can see that. You know, Paul Heyman was the main guy pulling the strings. And if you're going to replace him with Bruce Pritchard, who's also trying to do SmackDown, he's going to be stretched far too thin. There's no two ways about that. And now Raw is suffering for it. Like I'm not saying it's a bad show. We've seen much, much worse. And I still believe the Thunderdome really helps the atmosphere. But, you know, Drew Randy, I like the direction of. But something like Alistair Black, you know, Kevin Owens, without wanting to repeat myself, kind of just went weird. And we surely, you know, it's wrestling. The 101 thing we should do is at least week two, maximum week three, Alistair Black has to say, this is why I'm attacking you and not Buddy Murphy and, and Seth Rollins. Because really, if Alistair Black had run out during that main event and attacked uh, Murphy, I'd be like, yes, I can get this. You ruined his eye and you turned him into a pirate. Was he wearing his pirate uh, sort of face mask last night? I can't remember now. See, I should know these things. These are things that I should be focusing on, but I feel like they're just going over my head. But uh, yeah, I mean, Retribution, again, weird. It felt like WWE, like, okay, we've got to make them talk. Um, and I, I did like Cedric Alexander t turning heel. I am a fan of that. I think, even though I know some people weren't massively, don't forget what he was doing before, which is the grand total of nothing. You know, just being shoved on main event each and every week, which he's far too talented for. And if we do, even if it's just a two, three, four week feud, if we do get that and it culminates a clash of champions between Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, unless they're doing that thing where you can only compete if you're a champion, uh, I think it will be really, really, really good. And I think it will give us a, a breath of fresh air for a little while. And I got no problem with that at all. Outside of that, Renee Young's obviously been doing interviews now that she has left WWE. It sounds like her non-compete is a year which almost seems uh, unenforceable to me, but that's something I, I'm not going to comment on. I have no idea. Uh, it sounds like she wants to do more than just wrestling, but wants to dip her toe back in as well. Why wouldn't you? She's been doing it for a decade. It would be uh, it would be crazy not to. And actually, before I forget, excuse me, before I forget, uh, my man, uh, he tweeted this, so I'm sure he doesn't have a problem uh, with me saying it, but uh, maybe don't send him anything. I mean, play it by ear, right? Because he probably needs some time. Uh, just to get his head right. But my man Ross, King Ross from uh, the What Culture Days now on over on Cult Cultaholic, uh, tweeted out that he's been dealing with depression recently and he needs to take a break from work. And uh, I read that. I thought it was incredibly brave for him to um, put that out on social media. You know, even though it certainly is getting better, uh, there's still some people that don't get it. So, uh, yeah, I just thought... I, I, I can't go through doing a wrestling show without acknowledging it and just sending positive thoughts, even though it's not directly to Ross, to just uh, hope that he gets better and say, hey, man, we all go through it. And it's it's really mature and awesome of him to be able to realize it and take himself out the firing line, out of the cooker to yeah, exactly just to have 
you know, he's putting himself first and he's protecting his own mental health and fair play to that man. He's always been good to me. Um, obviously, I don't see him as much as I used to, but I'll always remember our worst, uh, worst. I always remember our uh, uh, WCPW commentary days, which was pretty bad, mostly on my end. But damn, did we have a good time doing it. I look back with a massive smile on my face and to see how far it came and then, you know, to get to wrestle for Defiant a little bit, you know, that's good memories all around. So yeah, shout out to uh, my man, my man, Ross. And I, I know that he'll be okay. I know that he will, he will be all right. Amazingly, there's not much else to talk about. And that's because we did the podcast yesterday when we got into a lot, uh, a lot of this. So let's just answer the questions. I asked the questions. You guys very, very nicely threw some at me. And it's my man, Patrick Dane, that starts. Man, I haven't seen Patrick Dane in ages. I know he lost a bunch of weight. So shout out to Patrick Dane if he is listening. He absolutely smashed it. And he wants to talk about Mr. Kennedy. If things had gone better and Mr. Kennedy had won the world title off his money in the bank win, do you think he'd be remembered as one of the greats? Oof, that's a question and a half. I often think about Mr. Kennedy, somebody that I met in 2007. I liked him instantly because he signed my WWE sort of, you know, promo picture is like, Simon, you suck, Ken Kennedy. And I was like, yeah, you get it. You get it. And yeah, I mean, if you don't know the story of Ken Kennedy, he was a WWE project. They were behind him. He won money in the bank. Pretty sure he got a win over The Undertaker. He was going to be Vince McMahon's son. And then a combination of injuring the wrong people, e.g. John Cena, Randy Orton, uh, falling foul of the wellness test and just having a lot of bad luck. It utterly derailed him and it was crazy. He went from, yeah, probably WrestleMania main event contender type of a dude to just not even existing in the WWE bubble. And he's still a good career. He went to TNA and he's got his own wrestling school now. But I probably think, I, I don't know if he'd be remembered as one of the greats, but I absolutely do believe he would have been world champion. I absolutely believe he probably could have main evented a WrestleMania against who I don't know. But all of this stuff just conspired to work against him. It was wrong place, wrong time. But yeah, honestly, if you go back to that late um, yeah, 2007 period or whenever sort of the, his peak was, Ken Kennedy, wait for it, wait for it, Kennedy was, uh, was a dude who was going to be pushed to the moon. And as we have learned time and time again, if you fall foul, of Vince McMahon it can all it can all go away so one of the greats potentially in terms of a guy that would have stood tall on the WWE mountain absolutely that was clearly the plan and he just I guess he wasn't able to play the game which uh, I don't mean that in a, in a pun way I'm not saying anything about Triple H but that's I, who knows right I, you'd have to talk to him I'm not sure if he's come out and, and said anything I know that um, uh, Conrad Thompson did an episode on him maybe with Bruce Pritchard and he was very affable to what was said in the sense that he felt like they hit the nail on the head and I listened to that and they kind of said the same thing so so yeah crazy crazy story all around um I, I hope I get this right you'll have to forgive me Tumder Anen I don't know if that's a, a joke name or not it's T-M-M-D-R so that's not one not one vowel in that name forgive me though if I've got it wrong what do you think about the future of WWE women's tag team division after recent breakups and shuffles is there any well it's not as good as it was because Sasha Banks and Bailey were an absolutely awesome team. And I think they had the, the run they had this time is the run they should have had uh, the first time. But look, I'm not a big fan of the Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler tag team. I think Shayna Baszler should be in singles competition. This is another reason I don't think the Iconics should have been broken up. Because they were at least a, a tag team that we were familiar with. We just need to ensure there are more teams. It's why I'm not totally against Lana and, Nikki, uh, Lana and uh, Natalia. If we can do something with them, build them up and make them feel like a team, I'll be all right with it. And then there are people, I got the Riot Squad too, I do like, I just don't like their particular narrative right now. But you do have people like Naomi and Tamina and I mean, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are kind of doing their own thing, but they're still there should you so need them. Uh, it's just this why the Kabuki Warriors actually breaking up is a shame. But no, we do need to make more women's tag teams, but that's not just the women's division. That's the men's in general, as we have already talked about. So 
it just needs to be more of a priority and i hope that's going to start with the yeah the the, the unification of the men's championships whether that's true or not i don't know jack griffiths favorite match you've been a part of oh, that's a good question uh, i mean i can't even think now there's been there's been, i'm trying to think one when i was driving home and just felt really good about the world and right now obviously i can't i can't i mean my first match ever even though i sucked and it was awesome because that feeling of just pure adrenaline was uh, that's when you realize how cool how cool wrestling is Oh, man. It's been so long now. I can't even remember the matches that I've done. We'll have to move on. Hopefully, it will just throw itself into my brain. Uh, Petey Pigtail says, Hey, Simon, didn't know you had a podcast. <laughs> Would love to listen if you can tell me where to find it. Do you think we'll be getting a full heel elite in the future? Young Bucks, Omega, and Rhodes. No, I don't. I don't think that at all. I think the Young Bucks and Cody are going to stay as good guys. I think it's been a ruse and a tease. And I think Omega is going to be the dude who not only becomes super heel bad guy man, but also uh, takes the title of John Moxley. The more I think about it, the more that makes sense. It's the kind of character that people have wanted from Omega for some time. He will be absolutely brilliant at it. As we know, this is what he does. And if he can finally kind of show off the... Not that he hasn't done so far. I think every time he's in a match, he's absolutely excellent. But, you know, if we're going to shine a bigger spotlight on him and he starts acting like the guy that we know from New Japan, I think he will uh, he'll, he'll, he'll draw even more eyeballs onto the product. So, no, I think Young Bucks stay good guys. Cody stays good guys. And Omega is the man that goes uh, goes nuts. King Combat 23 says, what do you think makes a great wrestler? Well, you have to be able to wrestle, obviously, but it's the same boring answer. For me, it's personality and the things you say on the microphone, right? Those are the things that I remember. Uh, like you have it's still professional wrestling so when you get in the ring you still have to be able to fight and put on a good show but you know when somebody's personality speaks to me i sort of jump on their bandwagon so somebody like rusev for example you know when he's throwing fish at lana saying you're a wet fish it's just so weird and yet he's pulling it off with a sort of an air of seriousness i'm like you know what i'm in i'm in and absolutely in this is <laughs> this is something i want to jump on board with so that those are the things for me but the cool thing about wrestling is that there is no right or wrong right you, you can have it can go it can go anyway like who would have thought daniel bryan was going to be the star that he was when he was wrestling in ring of honor you know who thought stone cold steve austin was going to do it when he was just a dude in wcw so there are intangible qualities that you just can't put your finger on but that's why wrestling is so great talking to daniel brand manual is it time for wwe to let some wrestlers start booking we've seen the likes of daniel brian white etc put together some good stuff and it's working well for aew well i think it kind of comes down to individuals right do they want to do it are they good at it we should certainly give them an opportunity because i mean triple h said it best i think that triple h has a good handle on this stuff because he's been through it and you're still going to have your favorites and the people you like more than others, but that's just human nature and that's just the world of work. But because Triple H has the same kind of experiences, he probably does have a better grasp about what he can do with certain talent and their good points and their bad points. So yes, I think Daniel Bryan is doing a lot of it on SmackDown right now, or so goes the rumor. And if that is the case, it probably explains why uh, SmackDown's a better show. Bray White, to me, is a creative genius when it comes to wrestling, even if it's just from a character standpoint. I don't think anybody else could have pulled off what he has. And I'm sure there are other dudes that could do the same. Like somebody like a Randy Orton in the right situation, I'm sure could pass on incredible advice that's only going to make a match better. Um, certainly better than writers that don't... Certain, uh, I'm not saying that you can't have a good writer that hasn't wrestled. I'm not saying that at all. But if you have a guy that's just come from Hollywood or some kind of comedy sitcom, you know, are they going to do a better job for what my tastes if you put a wrestler in their position and said, yes, they probably would. They probably would. And yes, AEW has proved that. And the um, the flashes we've seen from SmackDown, I, I think that would be the case as well. You have the problem of not wanting... Well, I assume Vince McMahon not wanting any wrestler to have too much power, though. 
So that always may that may that may work against them. Uh, Rello says during HBK's second run in the WWE, we only saw him capture the world title once. Do you think looking back at his run, the WWE missed another title run with Sean? No, I didn't think he needed the one that he had, and it didn't last that long either. This is much like an edge situation. I think when you have comebacks like that and you're so good at what you do, you're almost you as a wrestler are more important than the championship. You always want a guy on top that you know feels like a champion. That's important. But, you know, Drew McIntyre feels like a better guy now in the WWE because his championship run has been so good. So that belt has helped him. It's that classic, oh, the person makes the, the title and not the other way around. And it is true. But Shawn Michaels didn't need it then. You know, we just wanted to see him in really, really good matches, which we did get. I can't remember the top of my head now, but yeah, the Triple H one was good and obviously everything with The Undertaker, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero. You know, all of this was, uh, all of this was top stuff. So that was the draw, if you want to use wrestling terminology. I want to see Shawn Michaels in these good matches. And you could have put the World Championship in there. And of course, you know, we did that at WrestleMania 20 and so on and so forth. But it didn't need it. Like, is Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels any worse for not being there? No. So you can actually enhance another program where maybe guys aren't as established as a, as a heartbreak kid and go from there. So no, I didn't think, I think we did it for nostalgia's sake and it did work. But I don't think that... Um, I don't think that was. I think it's a, it's a regret by any stretch of the imagination. Ross Hand said, "Should the rest have more of a role uh, when they're doing disqualifications? Stop having them get distracted so easy and be slightly more strict on the rules. It could lead to a few interesting finishes. Sometimes it feels like all matches are no DQ matches until the roll up happens." Um, yeah, I mean that's true. It's especially true in AEW that, like, I think most people can um, <laughs> can make that point that the referee is watching all this stuff and letting it go. But the counterpoint to that, which I do accept to a certain degree is if these are the rules that their refereeing, refereeing organization has laid down, then, okay, I can kind of buy into that to, to a certain degree. But I, to me, when you do anything too much, like the surprise roll-up, it just starts to irk me. Because it's like, you know, if I'm watching I don't know, the West Wing, I don't know why that came to my brain. But if I'm watching the West Wing and they do the same ending to every single episode, I'm like, well, this is boring. You've got you know, you, you to stop it. And it's the same with wrestling. Wrestling is stories. So if everything ends with DQs that aren't DQs, or everything ends with distraction finishes or roll-ups, it's the law of diminishing returns. It gets dull. And that's why I think sometimes it would be good if... Um, and also, you know, this is a bit sort of old school, but it is true. How can you have bad guys if they can't break the rules? And to have the rules, you need to establish the rules. <laughs> that makes sense? I don't even know, but hopefully you take my point. Uh, Deadly Davey Dangerously, which is hard to say fast. Should AEW make an angle out of Kingston and Lance Archer after Kingston lost but never actually went over the top rope? No, he climbed up the... No, I don't. To me, um, that, that counts. If you're going to start mucking around on the ropes, you, you, you have... Uh, You've done it. <laughs> you know, you, you've, you, you've absolutely done it. Uh, you also asked, if the Jaguars win the Super Bowl, do you think WWE will send them a belt? I don't think they need to worry about that. The Jaguars aren't going to win the Super Bowl. No offense to any Jaguar fans out there. Terry, how do you incorporate the win-loss records into the TNT Championship picture going forward? Um, I don't know what you mean by that. How do you incorporate the win-loss record? Well, you just... Do you mean in terms of who challenges for it? Well, I guess... I mean, fair enough. They're not really doing that now um, with uh, Dustin. Well, Dustin Rhodes got a shot after he beat the group that has the TNT champion in it. I'm not really too fussed about any of that stuff. I know that um, w uh, AEW are very keen to say, oh, it's going to be sports and we're going to have a win-loss record. I like the ratings that come out here and there, but it's not a... It's not do or die to me, so I'm not I'm, I'm not massively fussed. Uh, Bagroom Bully says, what is the most annoying instant of failing continuity in wrestling? For me, it is when a second referee is or is not allowed to come out and explain to the usually incapacitated ref in the ring that shenanigans took place and match should restart. I mean, that is one. Oh, for goodness sake, there must be... 
Oh, there must be a thousand of these to the point that one won't even come to... I mean, the most recent one is that sometimes you can attack someone on the outside and it's not a DQ. And other times, two people who aren't even in the match have a fight and it is a DQ. So I guess what we're saying here is just establishing... Is, is establishing your own laws and ensuring that you stick with it. And that's kind of what we were talking about a second ago. That's all you need to do. Like if some, if I know that everybody can whip a fish out of their pants and slap the other guy with a fish and that's okay, I'm like, I'll just accept it for what it is because you've established it. But if it happens sometimes and it's okay and then it happens other times it's not okay, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. I don't know where the, where the sense of that is. So it's, it's just that. You just have to establish your own laws, your own rules and go from there. Otherwise, it just becomes really confusing. Everything you do should always be able to be explained to someone that's never watched before. And you're right, if they see you know, two different shows and one time somebody does do it and sometimes somebody doesn't, and all you have to say is, well, that's wrestling, they're probably going to go, there's not enough depth here for me. I'm going to go watch something else. Name Cannot Be Blank says, Hey, Simon, who do you think does the best Panamara Sunrise in WWE? And should this be used as a finisher instead of a second finisher? Uh, I can only think of... Um Adam Cole now. I mean, there'll be more. Of course, there will. So I'll say Adam Cole. And yeah, I think it should be a finisher, right? That's a that's a fair that's a fair argument we've seen for a while. Because when you have those moves as signatures, and then you hit a move that's not as cool, it's like, well, what do we do that for? That doesn't make any sense. Jeremy Kreklau, who do you think will induct John Cena into the Hall of Fame, and who do you think will induct Randy Orton into the Hall of Fame? Well, it will be Randy Orton's dad. Hopefully, you know, I don't know how old Randy Orton's dad is, but hopefully, he'll still be with us when that happens. And the same answer with John Cena. I think it will be Vince McMahon, as long as he's still with us. Uh, John Cena is in a very elite category of people that really you can only say Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, The Rock, and John Cena. Now, yes, he'd be bottom of that list when you want to get into statistics and analytics, but he's still in there. I don't even think Roman Reigns is in that list, given the influence that John Cena had in the business. So I said, same with The Rock. I think Vince McMahon will do it. I really, really do. Unless The Rock has somebody else he'd like to do it. He has that much power, but that would be my answer. Uh, Darren Gathia, I hope I got that right. If you were to handpick a wrestler from today, who would you give the Repo Man gimmick to? Oh, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Angel Garza, maybe, is the first one that came to mind. He's kind of sleazy, you know, kind of underhanded. He'd have the comedy down. I'm giving it to Angel Garza, and then obviously myself. Um, we've done that one. Main event Nathan says, if you could choose to win money in the bank from a previous year's winner, who would it be? Like, if you could have won that year's match instead of who actually could have won. All right, so I'm actually in the match. Well, in that case, it would be WrestleMania 24 when CM Punk won. Let me check that before the comments go mad. We don't need that. And that's mostly because I was there. <laughs> But you know, if I'm uh, if I'm going to be at the show, I may as well be in the uh, in the match. It was it was CM Punk defeated Carlito, Chris Jericho, John Morrison, Mr. Kennedy, who we already talked about MVP and Shelton Benjamin. Hilariously, John Morrison, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin are all back. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I I like that match too, and I was surprised at CM Punk won because that was the second time he won it, right? So yeah, if I'm going to be there, I may as well be in the match. Garth, what was the most shocking thing you ever discovered regarding wrestling, other than it's all a work? Blading. I learned that when I was quite young. I couldn't actually quite believe that that's what wrestlers did. We just cut our, we cut our heads open. I was like, okay. And we do it with razor blades. And this apparently is to be okay. And then I remember used to think to myself, what if I become a wrestler? I don't want to cut my own head open with a razor blade. This is when I was very, very young. And then you learn so much stuff out of it. Yeah, but in terms of how the business works, that one, it still surprises me. And when I tell people and I see the look on their face that don't know about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of grotesque and weird. I mean, who even came up with it? I know what we can do to give you blood. What? Well, we'll hide a razor blade in your wrist, sometimes in your mouth, which makes no sense, 
And then you can just cut your forehead. And people go, oh, yeah. Do you want Eddie Guerrero and JBL had that match and Eddie Guerrero cut way too deep? That is something that can happen. I know that it adds emotion to the match, but also during that thing, I was just terrified for Eddie Guerrero. As soon as I become someone's dad, from a concerned point of view, I know we've gone awry. Alan Sinclair says, did WWE win the Monday Night Raw or did WCW lose it? I mean, you're both right, right? It's, it's a combination of things. You know, did WWE hit form at the right time? Yes. And did WCW absolutely crap the bed? Yes, they did. You know, if you go back and watch some of the programs they were doing now, Judy Bagwell on a pole, Viagra on a pole, Rat on a pole, you know, just all these crazy booking decisions about who was champion and who was not champion, the finger poke of doom. It started even earlier than that with the Hulk Hogan Sting match when Sting should have won and there was shenanigans, everything with Bret Hart. You know, they just didn't push younger talent and they didn't ensure that the churn was happening. And you need to have that churn in wrestling. Whereas WWE, you know, said goodbye to Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. And they brought us Triple H, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. You know, all of these guys. Even the undercard, one of the undercard guys. But, you know, we still fondly remember people like D'Lo Brown. And they weren't business changes. But they were new when they were fresh at the time. Even if, you know, they, they, they had their time in the, in the business. So yeah, I think it's a combination of both. But... And really, if WCW and if Eric Bischoff was able to get that TV time, if somebody else offered him a contract, it wouldn't have died. So that's what killed it. Really, TNT killed it when they were like, we don't want it on TV because what's a company worth that can't get out there? Massive shame. Uh, Mark TM, after yesterday's match on Raw, who's getting released first, Billy or Peyton? Uh, we're not answering questions like that. That's, that's, we, don't, we don't hope that people get fired here on Simon's Pro Wrestling Show. We hope they both have amazing careers and are with the company forever. Manuel, is it? I want have done that one. My apologies. Uh, Chris Butters, if you could swap one wrestler from WWE to AEW and vice versa, who would it be and why? I mean, Daniel Bryan, I put in AEW just because I want to see all those matches desperately. You, don't, you know the ones I'm talking about. And in terms of going the other way... Oh, I'm at a good, I mean, it could be Kenny Omega. But I don't want I don't want I don't want Daniel Bryan to leave and I don't want Kenny Omega to leave. But you know, you put Daniel Bryan across, I get Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega. I get well, I don't because I've just moved him, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel Bryan versus either of the Young Bucks, Daniel Bryan versus the new version of John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. Um, you know, there's so many matches I'd like to see. And then, you know, if you put Kenny Omega the other side, Ken Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins, Cesaro. Uh, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and these are AJ Styles. These are top, top matches. So, yeah, they, they, they'd be my guys. Sam Overton. Um, I don't know what I mean, so I'll move on. Angelos says, match types or stipulations that have got to go? Well, I mean, pay-per-view-wise, Hell in a Cell has to go. I always feel like it feels a little bit forced, but I don't want to get rid of the Hell in a Cell altogether. I don't think there's any stipulation that I need to get rid of. I think they should just always be in your back pocket for when it makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence with that one. Because I have the power to do that. My man Brian says, what was the worst part of your first day of training? Well, it was when I was doing, uh, we've been doing cardio, intense, hard cardio. Very first session. You said that already. Um, and I remember my brain just saying to me, you can just leave, Simon. I don't want to do this anymore. Our legs are burning. We have lactic acid. Anyway, just leave. Just run out the front door. They'll all think you're weird, but we won't have to do this anymore. And obviously, I got through the session. Woke up the next day and couldn't go to work because I was so beat up, but I went back. And that's um, that's the key, right? You get beaten up and you go back again. So it was really, really hard though. Really, really hard. It was, it's both one of the hardest and best things I've ever done in my life. But I suppose those two things do go together because the harder something is and then you get to the other end of it. Like, wow, I feel like a success. Uh, question two was Canyon underrated. Absolutely. Canyon was great. And Canyon was 
not given the due in the time that he was around. I really like Canyon. And also, who better than Canyon? Absolutely no one. And number three, name an underrated luchador in Prime WCW. Easy, Rey Mysterio. And you're going to laugh at that, but I'm sorry. After that match with Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc, he should have been pushed to the moon, but he wasn't because he was too small. Uh, all the other, and also, a lot of the other good ones were nuts. Like, Juventud Guerrero could have been pushed more, but I get why they didn't. Ran around hotel rooms naked. <laughs> it's just crazy. Chris Jacobum says, Why does WWE not know how to conclude in a satisfying manner? Most long-term angles. Do they go into an angle with just the beginning thought out? Or do they change too much on the fly? I mean, I needed examples of angles, but I know what you're coming from. But I do think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's just they, they don't have an ending planned out. Whereas some, I'm not trying to compare AEW and WWE. Let's use New Japan to calm people down. New Japan absolutely know where they're going. They know what their endpoint is, and they may shift and move around uh, in between, but they know what the uh, the last page of their book is. So when you have that, you can do whatever you want. And yes, I think sometimes WWE kind of makes it up as as and when they go. It does feel like it's changing on SmackDown, though. I truly mean that, and I could be wrong, and I hope that it would, because again, it is a weekly entertainment television show. And it was kind of Lost's problem, if you ever watched Lost. Lost didn't know how to end. It didn't know how to finish. It just kept going and going and plodding on and plodding on until it kind of ended really unsatisfactorily. That's not a word. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and WWE often does the same. But I will say, if we're going to go over the you know the 40, 50-year period of WWF altogether, it's not always been that way. So they have shown us they know they know how to they know how to do it. Uh El Apostropho says, What is your old and new favorite wrestlers? Um, well, my old favorite wrestlers would be Stone Cold, Steve Austin, The Rock, Bret Hitman, Hart. Uh, old uh, macho man i was a big ultimate warrior fan as a kid but you know when you learn certain things it's difficult to to jump on that to, to keep on that bandwagon and kind of these today these days it's i am i do like randy orton a lot i like edge um if that counts kevin owens in terms of that new one uh, daniel bryan um and if we go super super duper new does rusev count i don't know but i'd throw his name in there i'm trying to think of brand new wrestlers i've only learned this year who do i who do I really, really like? Because I think Darby Allen's going to be great, but I'm not sort of like a super-duper Darby Allen fan like some people are. Oh, there's got to be somebody I'm forgetting about. I'm going to kick myself. Probably Luchasaurus, I think. Luchasaurus, I'd throw in that category. I think he's. I think he has something. Uh, Cross-Eyed says, Why is Repo Man the greatest character in all of wrestling? Because he just is. He found the gimmick, and he absolutely smashed it. Bill Juby, more annoying, distracting crowd interaction. Counting 10 while the ref is counting a wrestler out on the outside or what chance? I don't really mind chance. I think I seem to be on my own little bubble world with that. I think if people, it can be distracting and every now and then it can be like, I'd rather you didn't do that. But I don't mind the what chance. I think they should go away, but I don't mind them that much. CM Punk is a more annoying one because it's just, you know, it just is. Uh, Rex Regis says, who would be your top five to start a wrestling company with? Uh, That question is always hard. Well, look. Brock Lesnar would be in it because I want people to watch and they watch Brock Lesnar. Kenny Omega would be in it because I think he'd have a good match with literally anybody. So I'd throw him in there. Kevin Owens, because I like him so much and I think he has an everyman quality, which is really, really important to get people invested. Becky Lynch, if she was available for the exact same reason. And the last one, I would probably take Cesaro because you, you need a utility guy like that. So they would be my five. My company, I don't know if it'd do well or not. Uh, Isaiah says, if you can pull one person from the top of the promotions and put them in a match, what match type would you choose and who would the participants be? It's AEW, WWE, New Japan, and Impact. Well, Impact, I'm taking my man Sammy Callahan. 
Um, and then New Japan, I'm going to take a Carter. WWE, I'm going to take Seth Rollins. And AEW, I'm going to take Kenny Omega. And I'm going to let them go at it. And the stipulation is just going to be a basic fatal four-way match. And they will go an hour, but I won't tell you beforehand. Fat Booty Morris, definitely your real name. How much do you think actual grappling skill is needed for pro wrestling? Or has the art form grown that you only need to know pro wrestling holds and moves? Now, I think if you actually have a background in grappling, it's going to help you massively. Because you're going to have other moves and stances you'll be able to call on. But I don't think that it's uh, essential either. But that's the same with anything. When you do go on your pro wrestling journey, you should be able to lean on your experiences, especially your combat experiences, because that absolutely will be a plus. So yes, I think if you have it, great. And also I think, no, don't worry about it, you know, going ahead. So no, there's absolutely no right or wrong. You just need to, to form your own path. Uh, Elbog, do you ever think about Stone Cold with hair? <laughs> it's the fuel to my nightmares. No, not really. <laughs> but I hope that you are able to get past this hump and start dreaming again. Um, Chris Butters again says retribution what's the point don't know after all last night very confusing all around uh, Gene Carlo who do you appreciate more in the industry the characters promo stories or the actual wrestling well you need both that's a crappy answer if I had to pick one the promos though right because they're the things that I remember the most or the moments I should say uh, Joey Bats, what's the most devastating move in all of professional wrestling you know this is a prize roll up uh, Martin says are we going to see you face Josh Barnett at the next GCW Bloodsport show I mean no because the world is uh, closed down but if the opportunity was there would I do it you bet your ass even though he would hand my ass to me uh, Jay, if you could book a pay-per-view with any wrestlers ever, what would be the main event? Austin versus Goldberg. Easy. Callum, serious question now. Which old school match should they bring back and with who? I mean, what even old school matches are there? Like a Texas death rope match or something. I don't know if it would work in a modern day. That one I'm going to have to think about. I don't know. Uh, Robert says, what is your favorite era and company in wrestling? Well, the one I enjoyed the most was the Attitude Era WWE, but I was the right age for it, right? I was the right age for it, and everybody loved it, so you could talk about it with your friends. It wasn't just what you were seeing on the screen, which obviously a lot of now is actually kind of rubbish, apart from the main event stuff. But it was the, um, the, the social side around it. Like I say, all my mates were into it, and they weren't before. And all of a sudden, wrestling was accepted, and that's a huge reason why I look back on it so, so fondly. Stephen Fagan says, Do you think the stipulation matches have come to an end with regards to new creativity and match types? I would agree. I I think if we choose the cinematic match type as a stipulation that certainly lit a fire under it all but i do think you know trying to come up with some new ideas would be great absolutely iris wrestling entertainment you have to book one match that will end the whole pandemic who is saving the world wow i don't know why they're gonna I, I, i'll do aj styles versus uh john no no we've seen that aj styles versus mjf and i have absolutely no idea why uh, Rev Glenn said, how big is Batista's dot, dot, dot movie career? <laughs> See what you did there, Rev. Uh, he's doing really flipping well, Batista. A little bit of an inspiration. Fair play to him. Uh, Nicholas says, what is one storyline you wish was written differently that is currently going on in WWE? Good question. Retribution. Because I think the idea was there to introduce some really new cool characters and they're not cool at all. They just act like kids. So I would have changed. I would have changed that around. Uh, Andy Jackson, where would wrestling be today without the WWE Network? The network finished off kayfabe and, in a sense, made it impossible to create believable personas and characters for TV. Well, I don't agree with that, Andy, but I appreciate your opinion. I actually do think it would be in a better place because the network didn't blow up as WWE intended. They wanted well over two million, if not three million, subscribers by now. I think I'm right in saying that. And instead, you know, pay per view is still ticking along. 
in hindsight, what they probably should have done is kept the big four, big three. I don't think Survivor Series is a big pay-per-view anymore. You know, Raw Rumble, SummerSlam and WrestleMania probably should have been kept off. And I think they would have had a better balance. Um, so maybe you can't really say they would they be in a better place because they're still making, you know, so much money. It's ridiculous. But maybe it would have helped the whole idea when they were switching it around. Uh, JD Whitehead said, if you had to guess five members of Retribution from the past or present WW rosters, including NXT, who are they? Well, Dominic Dijakovic, Maya Yim, um, Leo Mad... No, what's his name? Uh, Brand... What's his name? The guy that used to commentate on Raw. I can't remember that guy. He's quite good. And pff, two other people. Probably two people that we don't really know that much about, I would guess. But they would be uh, they would be mine. Uh, Mike says, I have only one question about modern wrestling. What the hell happened? It passed you by, Mike. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, Robert says, what persuaded you to get into wrestling? Uh, if in terms of watching it, I saw Bret Hart on my TV when I was a kid and I loved it. In terms of doing it, I'm a dude that, you know, I want to follow my passions. And I didn't want to get to the end of my life and not feel like I've tried this stuff. So I just went and tried it. Thankfully, I thought it was awesome. And we went from there. Uh, Keith says, are you looking forward to getting the ring again? And what opportunities have presently come your way? I cannot wait. Unfortunately, there aren't that many opportunities because nobody knows what to do. Somebody tried to put on a show the other day. And of course, the UK government went, nope. And they weren't allowed to do it. It got shut down by the, not shut down, but the council were like, we're not going to sign off on this. So yes, I can't wait for it all to start again, but I understand. And I'll take my time and I will be I will be patient. And Super Powerful, which is an incredible name, says, what are the odds that after AEW make him the world champion and build their promotion around him, MJF joins WWE? I would say almost 0%. If AEW reaches the levels and success that they want to and they build a promotion around MJF, he is going to have far more opportunities in AEW than he would do in WWE. He was made there. You've seen what sometimes happens when people jump under Vince McMahon's watch and you know he hasn't created them. I don't think he would do it. I don't think you would do it. And my man Francis Reyes says, what would you have changed to AEW all out? I would have made the world tag team title match a little bit shorter and that would have been that and got rid of all the horrific injuries that we saw and probably not allowed to do a powerbomb body bag thumbtack spot, <laughs> which I still think is absolutely crazy. Uh, Peter Burchett says, who would you put on a Mount Rushmore of luchadors? Good question. My four would be Rey Mysterio, El Santo, Mil Mascaras and Eddie Guerrero. I mean, that's probably what it would be. I don't know anybody else that is missing from that list. I mean, you know, Luchador isn't my uh, strongest suit. I, I think that's hard to argue. I really, really, really do. If we're going to... Eddie Guerrero wore a mask for a while, right? I think he did. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, Mega Lonus Ronaldo. Are you satisfied with the way WCW ended Goldberg's win streak? Or would you have booked it differently? My dude, yes, of course. It sucked. <laughs> it was rubbish. It did have to happen eventually because, of course, but not to Kevin Nash, not to Scott Hall, if you want to see those guys as a pairing, not to a cattle prod. It should have been done to, I mean, not a Rey Mysterio, but a Chris Jericho or somebody like that. It should have been done. I know we didn't do it in WWE with Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar garnered so much more from beating the Undertaker streak than Kevin flipping Nash did from breaking Goldberg's. Now, I still get mad about it, as you can probably, as you can probably tell. It was, um, it, was, it was bad. And probably one of the reasons that contributed to WCW's downfall, as, we have, uh, as we've already talked about it. And we will finish with, I'm going to grab a random one here and keep going because I want to give everybody an opportunity and say, Winter Decay, do you think Vince McMahon has more helped or hurt the pro wrestling business? I mean, he's definitely helped the pro wrestling business. I don't know what would have happened if we still had territories in the United States of America, but 
I mean, there are certainly pros and cons to that, but I don't think it would have gone worldwide. I don't think it would have had the celebrity that it did get and the fandom. And there's every chance I never would have gone into it. You know, he did transform the industry, not by himself. I understand there were, you know, there's lots of things within that. But to, you know, pretend that he hasn't made, he is a true success and arguably the greatest promoter ever. You know, I, I think it's hard to argue that. I'm not saying that he's been perfect. And I'm not saying there aren't stories out there that make you want to, you know, cry inside because there absolutely are. But all in all, in terms of the overall wealth of work, he has been an absolute triumph and he's absolutely helped the pro wrestling business. On that note, we shall end the podcast. That was a much bigger Q&A than I expected to do, but I appreciated all the questions. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Again, Apple cut my feeds in two, so I had to wipe one. I'm still trying to build my following back. Otherwise, you can find me on YouTube, Simon Miller, at Simon316 on all socials. Talked about Patreon, talked about merchandise, talked about pins and knuckles. We will get back to Twitch eventually, but I've just been enjoying this. There's been a certain calming nature about it all. But I will, of course, start streaming again if you want me to. Just get in touch and tell me. Otherwise, make sure you check out the episode from yesterday. We'll be back later in the week. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll talk to you again soon.